Community Fellowship. How are we doing this morning? Great. If you all could make your way to your seats, please, as we prepare for worship. My name's Ashley Hansen. For those of you who may not know me, if you are a visitor here, we just want to say welcome and let you know how excited we are that you're here to worship with us today. And we'll let you know how we do things around here. We stand for worship, so if you could please rise to your feet. If you're unable to stand, that's perfectly fine as well. We just ask that whether sitting or standing, we worship the Lord with our whole heart. And next, if you guys could take out your cell phones and power them down or put them in the vibrate position, that way we don't interrupt the flow of what the Holy Spirit's going to do here this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this beautiful day and the opportunity to be here that we get to be in your house. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit comes and floods this place as we worship you. In your name we praise. Amen. Praise is rising. Eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Stirring hearts are yearning for you. We long for you. Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Yeah. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away, Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises, Hosanna, Hosanna, come every
welcome you.
pray with me? God, we thank you for the grace that you've shown us. Grace that means another day of life. Grace that sent your precious son, blameless, innocent, to die for us, God. Because of your grace, we live. Not only our bodies, God, but our spirits and our souls. It's your grace that you impart to us, God. You give us your attributes. You pass on, God, parts of your personality and who you are to us. God, you give us grace within ourselves to withstand the hurts, the challenges, even sometimes, God, the despair that comes in life because you're always with us. You give us grace through your Son, through your Word, through your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that you live in us. We are here today to give you praise, to give you worship, the love that you so richly deserve.
before you're seated this morning, if you're even able to sit down, uh, we're going to open up the, op- the, the front area for prayer. If you want to come and you want to pray, please feel free to slip out and make your way uh, that you might pray about whatever need you have. We're going to also ask the children to come up and we're going to pray for you guys as you're getting ready to go to Children's Church. And we're just going to ask for the Lord's blessing. Uh, I know that even this morning in praise and worship, that there's a, a sweet spirit, the spirit of Almighty God in this place, and we're able to just draw from Him. And I hope that uh, if you haven't done already, if you already haven't just opened up your heart for Him to come and to touch you, that you would be able to do that right now. So let's, uh, let's go to prayer. If you can be seated in the sanctuary, you're more than welcome to. And uh, let's go before Him now. Lord, thank you for the good, beautiful, amazing, powerful Holy Spirit in this place. We are grateful for you, God, that you allow us to come and to draw benefit, that we're able to sense you in this place and that we can't stay the same, that when we're in your presence, that we're changed. Your word says that when in a twinkling of an eye that when we see you and you'll part those clouds that we will change. And that good change that you render is what we want. We need you in our lives. We ask that no matter what we've done or what we've been, our past, even what we're doing even in the present right now, that there's nothing insurmountable that your grace cannot render that good change in our hearts and in our lives. And so we pray for every individual here this morning, regardless of what we're going through or what's happening in our lives, no matter what we've seen, no matter what we've done, what we've said, heal us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would mend us We need you, God, in our lives. Without you, we're nothing. And so that weary soul that came in this morning, it was difficult to get up. It was difficult to come to church. And then even once we made it to the parking lot, it was just a heavy burden that we carry. Minister to that soul here this morning. Be with that person, God. And as... They're able to draw from you and, and, and be made whole. That they would sense your peace. The peace that surpasses all human understanding. The peace that is beyond just even a good circumstance or situation. But the peace in knowing that you love us. And that you're for us. That's what we're asking today for your peace. We want to lift up these little ones to you as they're getting ready to go to Children's Church. And we know that something good is going to happen there. There's going to be great benefit for all of our little ones. And through the teaching and the, and the lessons, God, that you would just be able to minister to them exactly where they are. That they would understand the deep lessons that we get from your word, that they're not too young, that they can't understand, that they cannot know who you are, 
that as their heavenly father, that they can sense your love and that they can embrace your ways even at an early age. Your word says that if we would train up our children in an early age, that when they're older, they won't depart from it. And so God, we believe that. We, we've put all of our trust in your word and that's one of those passages that we put our full trust in. So as they get ready to go into children's church, that it would be beyond babysitting time or fun time and just game time, God, that this would be something that would have a ripple effect into eternity. And so we thank you ahead of time for that good um, purpose that you have for them. As we get into your word in here, Lord God, anoint your word. Use it however you see fit. Each individual, no matter where they are in their lives and their faith, that you would take the word and you would make it tailor-made. That it would be something that would fit each circumstance and situation. We know that your word is up for that task. As the ushers are coming forward, ready to receive tithes and offerings, we want to pray for a blessing upon all gifts and givers alike. And that you would take those gifts and that you would use them for your own glory and goodness. That there would be the growth of your kingdom. That people who don't know you as Lord would get to know you. And people who have maybe walked away from their faith, that maybe through tithes and offerings that we might be able to reach them as well. And so all of it together, that it would glorify you. We love you this morning, God, and we're grateful for everything. And we pray all these things then in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, guys, we'll see you later. It's good to be with you this morning. I want to welcome you to God's house. My name is Steve Sanchez. I'm the lead pastor. And on behalf of our, our leadership team and and all of our people, for our visitors, we want to welcome you here. And I hope that so far you've had a very uh, profitable and rewarding uh, experience in worship. And every single time that I get to worship the Lord, and it doesn't matter what that even looks like, whether it's in God's house or in my truck driving somewhere, that um, I'm just so grateful that I get to worship God. And, and I get to worship God with you guys this morning. So I'm grateful for that. And for our visitors then, if you have not um, been greeted with a uh, handshake and a friendly smile, maybe a hug around the neck, um, I, I doubt that that happened. But if that did, let us know so that we can rectify that. But we do want to welcome you into God's house. And for sure, for everybody here this morning, we're glad that you're here to worship. So now I do have some announcements I'll share with you. And uh, it is Palm Sunday. And so we want to uh, recognize what Jesus uh, did for us. And this is the beginning, the birth pains, however you want to describe that. And uh, as believers, we know that this week had to happen in order to purchase our redemption. And as Christian people, we are grateful for that. So welcome into God's house on Palm Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit about that later on, but uh, some other announcements we do have. Uh, right after the service this morning for our leadership team, our board meeting, a regular scheduled board meeting will happen as scheduled in the fellowship hall. So we have uh, a light lunch provided, uh, not anything heavy, so that when you get to the next announcement, you'll have room. But that will be right after our service this morning for our leadership team. Also, uh, we have at 4 o'clock this afternoon, 
at the Sprosses Ranch. We're going to be doing uh, the Blue Bonnet party at their house. So that um, entails um, Bobby's catfish. So if you've never had that, you're in for a treat. Uh, there's also going to be hot dogs, so uh, if you want a hot dog, you can have one of those. And then there's going to be a bunch of sides. And we're asking our people to bring the sides. So the catfish and the hot dogs, those are already provided for. We're asking other people to bring just whatever kind of good side that you want to uh, bless people with. And, um, and then desserts as well. And so it's going to be a good time. Now, if you're wondering about how do I get there, uh, you just need to see either the office administrator or myself and uh, we'll be able to get you maybe a paper um, map or if you just want an address so that you can type it into your Google Maps and find it that way, we can give you that as well. Uh, either way, uh, we want you to get there. So we'll give you those, um, those instructions to get out there and uh, it'll be at four o'clock starting, okay? So uh, we want everybody to come. So if you're a visitor, listen, it's your first Sunday here and you say, you know, I don't really know anybody. This would be a good way to get to know people and you're invited, absolutely. And you don't have to bring anything. If you're a visitor, you don't have to bring anything except your appetite. And, uh, and then you can come and, and enjoy the time together, a fellowship there. It's process, okay? Um, this Friday is going to be Good Friday service. And that will be in the sanctuary at 7 p.m. It will also be a communion service. So uh, we're going to commemorate the good thing that Jesus did for us. And, um, and so that will be here. Uh, and we won't have uh, a children's program that night. So uh, school-aged children and older will be in the sanctuary worshiping with the adults. And, uh, but there will be nursery care provided. So uh, if you have little ones, uh, there will be that nursery care for you guys. Okay? Um, and then next Sunday, obviously, Resurrection Sunday, we'll be celebrating together. And there will be an egg hunt after uh, the time that we have worshiping out there on our uh, property in our yard. And uh, so if you have children and you want to participate in the egg hunt, absolutely uh, feel free to be a part of that. And uh, Miss Jennifer can use donations even still. So if you want to either ask her about plastic eggs, uh, the ones that uh, hold the candies, or if you're wanting to find out about the wrapped candies, um, see her and she'll point you in the right direction. She'll tell you what we still need, okay? So that's going to be next Sunday. That's all the announcements I have, at least for now. And uh, if you want to get better acquainted with any of the goings-on in the church, please visit the website and make yourself acquainted with that. Now, we also have where if you uh, do not have a worship folder on the way out, please grab one of those and you'll be able to um, also uh, make sure you stay on top of things, okay? Stay in the loop in your church. Make sure you know what's going on so that you can be a part. We want everybody to for sure to be here on a Sunday morning. That's great. But it's also another thing to get involved in your church and to be a part of it that way. And there's so much fulfillment in serving. And as much as we're here to eat and to uh, have the Lord feed us and, and, uh, and fill us up, there's also that uh, realization that we're filled up to be poured out. And uh, so it's incomplete. A Christian is incomplete if they don't serve. That we should serve. We should serve each other as we serve the Lord. And so I just give you that one, and that's free. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue our time in the Gospels. And um, there's a, obviously we were talking about the triumphal entry. Um, as Jesus is entering uh, Jerusalem, you have this story that we're going to be in uh, this morning. And, and I'm going to be reading the account of uh, Mark. So if the Gospel of Mark and uh, chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Mark chapter 11 
And this morning I have the New Living Translation, and that's what I'll be reading from. So if you want to either follow along in your Bibles or you just want to listen, that's fine. But here's what we have in chapter 11 and verse 1. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethany and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Praise God in the highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then they returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. So we are all aware of Palm Sunday. I don't know how many of you have ever celebrated Palm Sunday where they used to hand out palm branches as you were entering the sanctuary. Anybody ever do that? And, um, and so you would be able to, you know, have your palm branch. And sometimes there was even time in the service or in the worship time where you might even wave it, kind of almost the same kind of thing that, that we see here. As you picture it, Jesus is entering uh, Jerusalem and, and um, all of the fanfare uh, leading into this. And we, we understand about this celebration that it was going to be short-lived. And um, the question about, you know, why, you can read about it and find out what happened in one week. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today um, in terms of uh, Jesus coming into um, Jerusalem and, and the way that it happened. And, and um, so, you know, as we know, we have the benefit of the end of the story. We know why Jesus came. In the minds of the Jews, uh, for sure his disciples, we see it displayed in the Gospels, they had in their, their thought process that Jesus was going to come and be this physical king, that he was going to come and, you know, in the line uh, of David, the tradition of, of his father David, that there was going to be this uh, king who would sit on a throne and that he was going to, you know, evict the Roman oppression and there was going to be Israel restored. And so they had this in their mind. And, you know, when you read in uh, the Old Testament, the prophets uh, and all of their writings and uh, the things that concerned the Messiah, uh, why wouldn't they think that? I mean, there would have been not this uh, concept of a physical or rather a spiritual king as much as a physical king. So they had all of these things that they had in their mind. And so when they um, have this uh, processional heading into Jerusalem, it is festive, 
I mean, I don't know if we can even understand um, from a concept of a, of a first century Jew with all the things that they were encountering with this oppression of the Romans and, and then even the 400 silent years and all of this, that there would have been this expectation that these people had, you know? And, um, and so as much as we might kind of sometimes wonder about how fickle that these people were, uh, because you fast forward a week and what's going to happen? Now, uh, in fact, why don't you do this and humor me, even though it's not going to be necessarily part of the, the sermon this morning. This is something that you'll find in, in uh, Mark 15, so just a, a few chapters later. In uh, Mark chapter 15, uh, in, in the, the first portion there where Jesus has a trial before Pilate, um, you know, he's, he's over here trying to almost let him loose. Did you ever read the story, the account of uh, Jesus before Pilate and had this impression like Pilate just did not want to do this. Pilate, Pilate was really pressured and it wasn't just one time. It was like, and, and it was back and forth and back and forth. And in the account of Mark, what you have is this, this um, mob mentality I mean, if you've ever seen any of the depictions in the movies, when he goes before the, uh, the crowds, right, because the, um, the ruling council, the Pharisees had kind of raised this ruckus, uh, the, this riot that was going on. And so Pilate is there and he's trying to, you know, find out about who he wants to release, as the tradition was, that he could release someone uh, for the Passover. And so you have this kind of a, of a, of a demonstration of a riot, uh, this crowd that had been raised into a frenzy. And, um, and so here you have where he, he asked in verse 9, Would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? Pilate asked. For he realized uh, by now that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priests stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, uh, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a, a lead-tipped whip. Then they turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. So you have this, this crowd that is raised up, a mob, a, a, a frenzy of, of anger and, a, and just this cauldron of hatred. And you're thinking, what is going on? Because if you rewind and we read our story in chapter 11, it's also a crowd, isn't it? Did you see that? Did you see the commonality? There's crowds and they're shouting in both depictions, except they're shouting different things. And I have wrestled with this over years of preaching and teaching and, and thinking about the fickle nature of human beings and what happened that it changed. Hosanna in the highest, praise be to God. They're laying down their cloaks and they're laying down the branches and everything is festive and celebrative. And, and then you fast forward in one week and now what you have, same kind of crowd, same kind of mob mentality, but now it's been turned and this is the question that probably we need to wrestle with even this morning. Let me ask the question. What kind of expectations do you have about God? 
That's an important question this morning. What kinds of expectations do I have, especially like, for instance, when we come to church? What kind of an expectation do I have when I open up my Bible? What are the expectations that I have when I go to prayer? And I'm going to not only talk to God, but I'm going to let him talk back to me. This is a legitimate question this morning, that every single person in this room has an expectation. We have in our minds what we think about God, what we think about theology, what we think about Christianity and what that means. What does that look like? These expectations have been shaped, whether they've been shaped by the scripture or maybe preaching and teaching, maybe people that we've had in our lives, maybe it's a denomination. We have, de we have these expectations and with these expectations, then now we kind of almost set up this, this uh, opportunity every single time that we get with all of these different things, what are we going to do, right? Is it true that probably with expectations, sometimes they're not realistic, that these expectations sometimes are not even biblical? Is that possible in our thinking, in our approach to faith? I don't know about you guys, but I had different expectations coming into the faith. When I was born again outside of a, of a bar many years ago, I really just didn't have any other thing than the experience that I had. My experience had been that I'd gone to Roman Catholic Church and, and I had gone to Mass over decades. And what I had known was that you go because you have to go. And because there's probably some good precepts, some good rules and laws that you ought to live by. And so I thought, well, I probably should go to church. And I remember going to church and what I was getting ready to receive was not what I was expecting. How many of you ever done that? That's not what I was expecting. I sat there and it was a Nazarene church. And the way that I came into the Nazarene church was that when I was in high school, uh, I didn't know anything about God, like, at all. And I remember that Jennifer's dad, who was a Nazarene minister, uh, he was an evangelist. And he had been doing some pulpit supply. And, and then he was on the road a lot as an evangelist. But there were times where I would encounter her family and the love of God was there. Now, while I didn't even wrap my brain around what that meant, I remember that that was something that was attractive to me. And so then you would fast forward later on when I was born again then, and I was trying to figure out where I, what I would go to church because I didn't want to go back to, to the Catholic church. Um, I wanted to encounter something that I had encountered back here, the, the warmth and the love of God and the people. So I remember I went to the church and I sat down and um, the pastor gets up and he starts communicating in a way that I had never heard. Not in a church, I hadn't. And he began to level with me. I mean, he was leveling with us, but he was leveling with me. How many of you guys have ever felt like, oh man, he's talking to me? This guy that I felt like the whole time, he was talking to me. And um, so he started to preach. And as he was getting the word of God and he began to break it down and he began to kind of just uh, simplify it, that I was able to 
understand it. And, and, but then there was this strange dynamic happening. And I didn't understand how that was working because he didn't know me. I'd never met him. And there was not any kind of a pre-existing relationship there. And so, but as he continues to preach and teach and even um, communicate certain examples from his life, from the scripture, all of these things were breaking me down. And, and after a while then, I was being completely just, I felt like dissected. That's how I felt. And I didn't anticipate that. My expectations were not that that was going to happen. Here's what I thought was going to happen. I walked in there and I thought, I'm going to come in and I'm going to get some, some really nugget, good nuggets from my life and I'm going to take them and I'm going to try to go incorporate them into my life and I'm going to have some good feelings and, uh, and it's just going to be a good, good thing, right? A good time. But I never anticipated that what was going to happen there, that God was going to use that pastor and use the word that he had communicated to us to break me down. And I wasn't ready for that. Anybody ever been there? You're just like, man, I I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with me. And uh, so at the end, the altar call happened. And it was my first time, you know, like this. And I, I just, my legs started to just move. I, my, my, just the whole process of standing up. And he says, if anybody wants prayer, come up and pray. And I got up and I started walking. And I'm making my way down in my brain. I'm thinking, what are you doing? You, you know, and, and, I, and so I come up and I begin to just, pray and I just what's going on and so then at the end of all of that we prayed and people are coming up and shaking my hand and you know asking if um, if they could you know be in my life and and be a part of my life be a part of my faith and help me to grow in my faith and I just never anticipated any of that God does things in our lives that really sometimes they exceed our expectations. Sometimes they change those expectations. They will, how do you want to communicate this this morning is that I feel sometimes we need to back up our expectations and let God move the way that he needs to move. We get into trouble when we don't allow God to be God in our lives. What that looks like is that we already have our mind made up about how God is supposed to move and what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to do it. We have our minds made up through our experiences that God always does this and he never does that. God can only reach us through this kind of um, ministry and not through this kind of ministry. This kind of ministry has us a little bit afraid, a little bit skittish, and we don't want to kind of see God move this way because we only understand him to move this way. And our expectations don't allow for God to be God, for God to actually come in and to do whatever it is that he wants to do. Um, and I, I know this, guys, that God is not the kind of a, of a God that's going to just conform to what we want. He's going to be who he is. Um, and so let me just say that if we become either as an individual or as a corporate body, 
people who say that God always does this and he never does this. He, he always moves this way and he can never move this way. That God is not going to be involved in that kind of a thing. Whether as an individual or whether as a, as a, as a corporate body. God is going to be God. And we get to let him be God or else we're going to ask him to leave. Even if we don't automatically do that. And so here with these expectations, these people are laying down their cloaks. And the expectation is that he is going to kick these Romans out. That he is going to take some kind of a, of a throne and he's going to sit on it. And now there's going to be the kingdom of Israel restored. Jesus has been telling them the whole time that that's not what he's going to do. But they haven't paid attention. They haven't listened. I've wondered sometimes about Jesus is that the cross, in order for it to take place, that he had to continue, and even not even only continue, but to escalate the weight of his message. Between one triumphal procession and a mob mentality that wants to crucify him, what happened? What happened in that week? You're going to have these teachings that confront like they've, like, like they've not been as confrontational like you'll see in this holy week. You're going to see Jesus, if you will study your, your Bibles, that will be your homework this week. But if you would study your Bibles this week and really look at what happened between the triumphal procession and the mob, what changed you have these teachings. Not only do you have the teachings, you have where Jesus is going to go into the temple. He's going to fashion a whip and he is going to wreak havoc at the temple. I mean, you know, and you ask, I've asked this. Maybe you have. Maybe you will after you read the account of Holy Week. That Jesus comes in there and he could have very easily, you know, taken all of the the. The, the celebration and all of that and built that momentum and figured out a way to galvanize the crowds so that maybe we can start a movement. And Jesus actually does the opposite. There's this, it seems almost like an alienation. And what is going on in, the, in all of this? And you think, Jesus, how are you supposed to build a mega church if you're over here, you know, saying these kinds of things and doing these kinds of things? How are we going to build a movement that can galvanize this kind of, a, of an upheaval that could create the opportunity for you to be the king? As a pastor, there have been times where, you know, we have where uh, the preaching, it's, it's, it's tough. It can be something that, you know, you hear and, and you think, man, you know, when is it going to get easy? When are we going to hear an easy sermon? I feel the weight of that, for sure, as a minister. I'd be like, Lord, I'd like to preach some lighter messages, you know, some things that are not as heavy. And the Lord says, no, you, you need to keep proclaiming the word. You need to, the, the peop, my people need to hear this. And, and I think, well, when I read something like this, Jesus did not, not even just relent, he intensified it. Do we understand about Jesus is that if there's not a cross, we don't have any hope. And in order for there to be a hope of, of eternity, that Jesus was going to have to bring to the point of culmination that there had to be the mob. There had to be the 
the negativity. There had to be crucify him, give us Barabbas. There had to be all of that in order to purchase our redemption. And in order then to purchase that redemption, he had to escalate the message. He had to escalate all these things in order that there might be the possibility for God's will, his father's will, to be executed. Do you understand? Do we understand this? This is so important for us to grab a hold of. Jesus didn't back off. I mean, for many of us, we might think, well, you know what? I think probably if I know people want to kill me, people want to, you know, come up against me, maybe I'll go somewhere else. You know, maybe I won't go to Jerusalem. Maybe I'll wait and back off a little bit till things cool down, and then I'll come back. But Jesus gets into the, into the fire. Jesus goes where the, the greatest intensity is. And then not only does he go there, but then he brings this message and he does these things that are going to create all of the, the possibility of the cross. These expectations that we have, I've ever wondered when we come into church and we want to, we want to touch God and we want to sense God and we want to know God, and then we come in because we're expecting goosebumps and we're expecting warm fuzzies and we're expecting fluffy pillows, and then we don't get that, and we don't understand that what God's will is for our lives is that we can actually be laid bare before the one to whom we must give an account. That's what the scripture says. That we have to be laid bare. It's part of it. It's not just you. It's us, me. There are times where I'm being filleted in the moment. And God is saying, bah! And it's like, Ugh, I don't like that. I don't want that. But it's God's will that that happens. And why? So that he can make me what he wants me to be. So that he can continue to bring me along. These expectations, if we bring these expectations into, well, this is what it's supposed to be, and if it's not that, well, then you're not going to be able to grab a hold of the good things that God has for your life. Because what God wants for your life far exceeds anything that we've ever experienced in terms of our expectations. You know, we, we, sometimes we have our expectations connected to these experiences that we've, that we've had. And so it's good. How many guys have experienced God? We raise our hands. We say, yes, I've experienced God. It's been amazing. And, but, but God is not finished. Here's the temptation for the Christians. is to fall in love with what God has done. As to, as, and we should have a testimony. We should communicate those things. But God's not finished. He's, just, he's not done. God wants to do things that we just haven't imagined. I mean, you think about what, okay, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Go into your life, go into your memory bank, and think about the good things that God has done, okay? But prior to his doing of those things, think about how much you needed to be stretched prior to those things being done. Think about that. Because we forget that, don't we? I mean, you think about that. We, we forget sometimes how much we had to be stretched. This good thing that we brag on that God did back here, it's a good thing, and we had to be stretched. But now that's part of our experience. So it doesn't require the faith now because we have the benefit of hindsight. And the forgetfulness 
of what it took to get that memory, it, it kind of creates these problems. And so this, these expectations, it's a barrier, it's a wall, because now we almost kind of feel like God is always going to have to be relegated to this way of moving. And God's saying to us, no, there's more. And so now, you ready for some more stretching? Are you ready for more faith? How about this? Are you ready for more crisis moment? Well, no, Lord, we don't really like that because we felt like the Christianity was supposed to be the comfortable. But we forgot that all the good things that he did back here, you weren't comfortable. And all the good things that God has done in your life, you were not comfortable. If you would remember and actually really authentically remember the way it happened, remember all the emotions, remember all the all the, uh, the, the worry and the anxiety. Remember all the discomfort. Remember those things. And, and wh- when you begin to do that inventory, that God is going to take you to these points that you don't just get comfortable and die spiritually. If you'll take your expectations and cast them off and say, God, move however you're going to move. And you'll be surprised that what he'll do will be things that will be unprecedented in your life. And so then now, instead of having, like say a lot of Christians, here's what a lot of believers have in the churches is that they have one chapter. And everything is looked backwards and everything is done in yesteryear. Well, yeah, God did this back year. God did this way back when. God did, you know, this whole great thing back here. But there's so many more more chapters to write. God wants to do so many more things in your life. But if if your expectations are such that they're relegating God to just what he did here, well, then there's not going to be any other chapters written. And I think this is one of the things that I want to just communicate this morning. These, These people, they got angry. They were upset. Their expectations were such that Jesus was going to be this kind of a king. And then instead of building the the momentum in their minds that he had, that he comes in and he does the exact opposite. And this, this actually infuriates these people because of their expectations, which is what we've seen over time. In ministry, you'll have people that if, if they have these expectations about what they think, let's say, for instance, discipleship, or let's say, for instance, marriage counseling, or if it's some, some kind of a preaching or some kind of a Bible study, and they have the expectations about this is what it's going to be, and all of a sudden then, it's not what they thought it was going to be, well, then they become disillusioned, and they get upset, or they, 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 they isolate themselves, or, or they just quit. And you ask the question, why? We had one, one uh, ministry where we were, She had, uh, this, 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 this lady had been uh, just tremendous at the beginning, you know, of a church. When, you, when you're a new pastor, there's a honeymoon stage that typically a uh, pastor and their family has with the congregation. And at this church, we had that. At this particular church where we were, we had that. And this lady was one of the champions at the beginning when we got there. And she was excited about, hey, this, this pastor and this ministry is going to be exciting and we're, we're pumped up about it and she had uh, even thought, you know, I'm going to answer a call to ministry. And she became one of our staff people. And, 
And uh, so she had these expectations about what she thought this, this ministry was going to be, what the philosophy of this ministry could, could produce. And um, so as we began to, you know, um, move down the road in, the, in time, what she began to realize is that there was going to be a lot of introspection. If she's going to be on staff, even over and above being a lay person in the church, that there was going to be accountability, that there was going to be things that were going to have to be addressed and dealt with, you know, and, and so we were going to, you know, handle it with, with, uh, with our staff and Jennifer with the females and me with the guys, and, but we were going to do this. And I remember that as that happened, she began to not only draw back, but there came a point when not only did she try to withdraw, but then the, the talons came out. And now there was attack. And you're thinking, wait a minute, what's going on here? What's happening? Why is this individual acting like this? Why is this response taking place for something that's good? And it occurred to me, that the expectations that people have, that when those expectations don't match what God is trying to do, of course you can't go attack God. You know, people are not going to go attack, stick their, their talons out at God and try to claw him. You think about the messengers in your life. I'm not even talking about Pastors. I'm talking about people, man, brothers and sisters that God has tried to use in your life. You're bebopping along and just living your life and God brings this brother, this sister and they say something that really just rubs you raw. You ever had that happen to you? God's just trying to do something in your life that, that's going to overwhelm your expectations. They're gonna, it's going to overrun those expectations. In fact, sometimes these kinds of things that take place will show how anemic your expectations are compared to what God wants to do. But we, we don't realize the value you think about if these people could have had a God perspective of what Jesus was really there for. God help us that we don't miss it. That we don't miss what, how is it? <laughs> how do we miss that there's the son of God? And they've been talking about that this Messiah is going to come and they had taught on it and they had preached on it and they had been well versed in it and they knew it like the back of their hand and now he's in the flesh and they missed it. How in the world do they miss that? Our expectations can be so large, so vast, that they will cloud our sight from seeing what God is really doing. I've ever thought about the opposite of that. Well, okay, pastor, what are you saying to us this morning? Wouldn't it be something if we could be free of expectations? 
Think about it even in terms of your marriages. I mean, let's, let's just simplify it. Let's real simplify it. Jennifer and I have been married now for, we're going to be, man, we're closing in on 20 years. And at the beginning, we had a lot of expectations for each other. What happens with marriages when there's all these expectations at the beginning, right? At the be- you expect the husband should be doing this and the wife should be doing this. And then the husband doesn't do it or the wife doesn't do it. Or it doesn't, they don't do it to their liking. And then what happens? We're in marriage counseling because you're not meeting my expectations. I'm even thinking about divorce because, you know what? My husband is not what I thought he was going to be. My wife is not who I thought she was going to be. I have all these expectations about who I thought my spouse was going to be, and so they're not meeting them, and so guess what I'm going to do now? I'm going to quit. I remember our pastor telling us in marriage counseling because we were having a hard time those first few years. Man, it was tough. And, uh, and the pastor, I'll just draw... <laughs> I'll just draw it up for you. I, I went into his office and I was upset about my wife because she was not treating me the way I thought she should treat me. I was on staff with him. And uh, so we were in his office there. It was like after hours, it was in the evening. And I said to him, pastor, my wife is this and she's this and she's not doing that and this and that and this. And he's going like this. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I got this impression like he wasn't paying attention, like he wasn't listening to me or he was bored or I don't know. He was just kind of just, and so he just, yeah, okay. And, uh, and I said, uh, so anyway, um, you know, so, uh, you know, this is what's going on. Like I, I want to almost articulate it again because I don't think you're getting the, the, the size, the magnitude of how much injustice that my wife is giving me. Because I, I better, so I better, you know, tell you again. And so he goes, he cuts me off and he says, Hey, are you hungry? Like, because we go, we go get some chilies just right down the street. There's a chilies over here. We just go get some chilies if you want. Um, I guess. Um, okay. I'm like thinking, well, aren't you paying attention to what I'm telling you? That, like, I'm expecting him to be like, oh, pobrecito, Steve. Oh, poor you. Your wife is so mean and cruel. He's not doing any of that. And I'm thinking, man, what's going on? See, I had expectations not even just for my wife. I had expectations for my pastor. And so I said, oh, I, I guess, you know. So we get in the car. We go to Chili's. So we're at Chili's. And the server come over and, and gets our order. And so I, I didn't even want to eat anything. I'm there to talk. I'm there to pour out my soul to my pastor. So... Uh, sweetie, uh, I need some tea, uh, but make sure that there's uh, a lot of sugar in that because I like sweet tea. He was from the South. I like a lot, of, a lot of sugar in that. In places like New Mexico, you have to ask for the sugar in the tea, believe it or not. So, and I'm thinking, okay, well, are, are you done? Like, are you finished ordering? And so then he says, Oh, okay, hold on a sec, brother, brother. Uh, can I also get, because I didn't put on the order, and he's over here just doing this, and I'm, I'm just really annoyed. So I finally just kind of got brave with my pastor, you know, and I respected him like, you know, like I did my, my dad, you know, but this, I was getting frustrated with him. And I remember I went, I said, I kind of fell, and I went like this on the table like this, like this, you know. I said, I kind of feel like you're not paying attention to me. 
I almost feel like you don't care about what's going on with me. This guy had like the blue eyes that would like cut you in half. When he would actually make, like, he would look at you and he'd look, he would like look into you. The whole time he hadn't done that because he was just, I don't know. I was getting ready to find out. He, I mean, I remember he just like looked through me and he said, Steve, it's not that I don't care. It's just that this conversation is boring me. You are not married. God did not allow you to be married. And let me remind you, Steve, I was there when you got married. I was the one that married you guys. And nobody had a gun at your head. And nobody put your, back, your arm behind your back to make you articulate those oaths. So let me go ahead and remind you about those oaths. I'm like, okay, is there more? You know, because I'm like, I've, I, you know. And then he says, he says like this to me. He says, your wife was not given to you by the Lord to pat you on the back and burp you. Your wife was given to you by the Lord to be the biggest change agent in your life so that the things that you never would have changed as a single man, that you absolutely would have to change when she came into your life. So stop your whining and let's eat. No onions or no pickles on that, please. What I realized about my wife, I was called to serve her. I was called to serve her the way that Jesus served the church, that he died for her, the church, the bride. That's us. He died. He gave up his life. And so... What I began to realize is that my expectations about what she needs to do for me, well, how she needs to treat me, that I needed to take all of those and crumple them and throw them in the trash. And that my expectations really were more about me. And that I expect out of myself that I'm going to love God and I'm going to love her and I'm last. And if I ever get to a point where I'm not living that, well, then I better get on my face before the Lord and ask him for forgiveness and ask him to get me back on the right path, which is exactly where we need to be as believers. The idea of expectations, could you imagine if you grabbed all the expectations that you have about life, about your boss, about your pastor, about your whatever, and you decided you're going to take those expectations, you're going to crumple them up and throw them in the trash, that if you ever get anything good, it's icing on the cake. And you praise the Lord for it. And if you don't get anything good ever again, you remember that you're a sinner saved by grace and that you were on your way to hell and you get heaven. And so guess what? I'm still ahead of the game. And now, because you live like that, you can never be let down. Think about this, you guys. With regard to expectations, if you're walking around thinking that everybody owes you something and they can't pay that out, you walk around in the doldrums with your bottom lip hanging out. 
You feel like, man, I'm a victim and all these kinds of things and, and woe is me. And guess what? That's going to continue. That doesn't change because there's nobody on the planet that can meet all your expectations. Nobody, not even your spouse. There's only one guy that can do that. And he doesn't live on the planet. <laughs> He's in our hearts. It's, it's, it's God. God Almighty is the only way he can meet expectations. Now think about this, you guys. If you've been walking around having expectations about people, like they need to meet your expectations, you've actually put them on a pedestal that they don't belong. You walk around mad at them, holding grudges because they didn't meet your expectations. They're not at fault. You are. You're putting the, high, the, the, the highest standard on them that they cannot carry. It's not fair to them. Your, your wife, your husband, they've never been given to you so that they can meet all your expectations. That's God's job. You think about what your marriage would look like if it, if it changed. You know what I expect? I expect that I'm going to live for my spouse, giving 110% even when they don't, and even especially when they don't. That's what I expect from me. And beyond that, I don't have any expectations. The best part about all this is that if I don't have those expectations, I'm pretty content. I'm a pretty content individual. You know, life is pretty good. Somebody cut me, somebody cut me off. Don't they know who I am? I'm the Steve. Nobody cares, you know? If you didn't have those expectations, why do we have expectations that people are good drivers? <laughs> we have expectations that people saw us in their rear view in the blind spot. Hey, it's cool, man. <laughs> Even if you did see me, it's cool. It's all good. You're gonna go to lunch after this, some of you. You expect good service at the restaurant you're going to go. Why? Maybe you should expect that no matter who you encounter, that you're going to tell them about Jesus. I mean, you see how that works? It, it, it really, what it does is it makes your life light. Expectations can be such a heavy burden. I don't know who you are this morning, but th there's, there's so much power in this story. I could be here for about another hour talking about this. I'm not gonna do that, but what I, what I do wanna tell you this morning is that there was a shift between Hosanna, praise God in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Crucify him. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas. It would be interesting to know how many of these same people that were laying out their cloaks and, and getting reeds and putting them on the ground, how many of those people comprised this crowd? It would be interesting to know. We don't have any way to know that. But it would be interesting to know. But I can tell you this, that regardless...
we can be very fickle as human beings if we don't manage these expectations. Very fickle. Happens like that. We can be in a church service like this, feeling blessed and getting Christian goosebumps and being motivated. And about 20 minutes later, walking out of the sanctuary and completely just, it went south. Let's not be those people. Let's make a commitment to God and make a commitment to ourselves We're just, we're going to let God move the way he wants. We're going to let him do whatever he wants. We'll let him talk however he wants to talk. He'll call us wherever he wants to call us. I'm not in control of anything. And so, God, do whatever you want, whatever that looks like. Call me to whatever you want to call me to. Uh, I'm cool. And whether I live or whether I die, whether I have a lot, whether I don't have anything, the Apostle Paul talks about in Philippians, remember this, where he says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have want. I, I know what all those things are. But I've learned the secret that I'll be content in any and every situation. It would make our lives a lot simpler if we could get that one. The worship team is getting ready to, um, to play and, you know, we're going to bring the lights down. And um, if you're somebody this morning that has been impacted, affected in some way, that the message has really gotten in and there's, there's some things that you need to address, you know, whatever those things are, God's the one that writes on the conscience. He's the one that puts his finger on those areas. And I don't know what that could be for your life. You know, there's a myriad of a lot of different things that God can do through a sermon, through his word, to talk to people specifically where they live. So I'm not going to pinpoint uh, an exact rationale for coming up to pray. It's however the Lord moves you. It's however he'll lead you. And um, if you feel that need, I want you to just feel free to come up and pray and ask God. And he wants to freely give. You know, when we pray a prayer of faith and there's authenticity in our heart, God wants to answer prayer. He still does. And um, so I'd like us to, if, if we could, uh, as you guys are getting ready to do your thing, we just stand. It's easier to sing when we stand. It's also easier to slip out if you need to get down and pray. Come out to the front to, to get before the Lord. And so let's go ahead and do that now. And, and uh, brother, would you, would you lead us? When I survey the cross on which the prince of glory
ashes to gain I count but loss and for contempt on all my pride from his head his hands his feet sorrow and love flow mingle down is such love and so
thank you for just being with us here and we sense your presence in a real and mighty way and through your word that you've been able to speak to us about whatever that you saw fit to speak to us about we are grateful for that it means that we're still alive spiritually it means that we can still hear you we can still feel you that every person here this morning we were able to enter in and that you can do whatever that you need to do in our lives, we can trust you. We know that you love us. We know that you care for us. We know that any kind of discomfort or hardship or difficulty or even pain that we withstand in the reading and the hearing of your word, that it's for our good. That if we would embrace the pain, that we could also embrace the peace. And I pray this morning, God, that for every soul, every person, the guy talking included, that we would let you be you, and that you could do whatever you want. You could say whatever you want. You can move in a mighty way, Lord, and that we would be open all of our days. Lord, would you do a work in that soul this morning that their expectations, and they have a lot of them for a lot of people, for a lot of places in their lives where they are, that they would be able to relinquish control of all of these expectations, that they would have the opportunity to take a firm grasp of your pleasing and perfect will, and they'd be able to live out what you have for them. For that soul this morning, would you grab a hold of them? Would you help them to know that you're in control and that they can trust you? Help us, Lord, in this day to move forward with an attitude that says, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. And it's about the people that are around me. And I'm going to be last. I'll just, it doesn't matter. Help us to find contentment in that. Help us to realize that there's freedom there. With heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking around, we're just about finished. That this, eve, this, uh, this morning you'd say, I... I got help, God help me to, to grab a hold of something that was good for my life, but I'm gonna need prayer that I can follow through with it moving forward. God bless you. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Is there is anyone else? God bless you. I see you in the back. Anybody else? Yep, God bless you, my brother. Anybody else? This morning, God, you were able to help us to see the fickle nature, not even just of these people, but people, just us human beings. May we take what we've heard here and build on it by your grace, that your Holy Spirit would help us to know how to move forward, not even just only to stay in this moment, but to build on this moment, that that good holy momentum 
would catapult us into growth and that we'd be able to see the good thing that your hand is doing in our lives. And we will give you the praise for it. As we get ready to go in the rest of our day, God, we pray that you'd be glorified through our lives, that we would be able to extend your kingdom with those people that you have as divine appointments for all of us. We are grateful, Lord God, for a morning like this one. And we eagerly anticipate the afternoon as we're going to have fellowship together uh, at, a, at the Spross Ranch. And uh, we, so we just ask for your blessing, not even just only on our day, but the rest of our week. We love you, Lord. And we pray all these things then in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give him praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, find someone you haven't said hi to. Go shake their hand and tell them how good it is to see them. God bless you all. You're dismissed.